Who's on top? Who's on top? Who's going to be the cream of the crop? Who's going to hit the game winner? Mic drop. You don't know, but we just might. You want to find out? Come check us out tonight with Jeremy, Jacob, and Ellis, too. Add in Orion, we have a crew. Woo! And welcome back to episode 15 of Who's on Top? I'm your newly balded host, Ori, and this week, very similar to Ellis's birthday party, we have no guests. However, comma, we do have three regulars back. Shaving off his beard and subsequently getting yelled at for clogging the sink, we got the new Syracuse commit and self-proclaimed Syracuse, Jacob Kazdin. What's up, guys? Wearing a Galapagos shirt and feeding his dog some tasty, tasty kangaroo meat, we got the fencing star, Jeremy Giles. Hey, at your service. The kangaroo meat is not tasty. That's a lie. And finally, we have the man who takes ridiculously long showers and spends an hour and a half doing his hair. We have the Russian machine, Ellis Gordon. What's up, guys? All right. Today's episode is all about the draft. No, we're not talking about Vietnam, Korea, or World War II, or the brave men and women drafted into cleaning Jeremy's room, but rather the NFL draft. I'm going to hijack Ellis's rapid-fire segment and start off with some controversial picks from the first and second rounds. All right, let's start off with Jeremy. Jeremy, what do you think of Jalen Hurts? Some th- say he was picked too early. Some say by the wrong team. What do you think? Well, I'd say it like this. One quote I heard recently was, the most important position on the field is the quarterback. The second most would be the backup quarterback. The Philadelphia Eagles have literally won a Super Bowl because their back- backup quarterback was very good. I think Jalen Hurts would just be the next Nick Foles. Ellis, what's your opinion on this one? Yeah, I get the pick. But I don't see why. I, I don't necessarily subscribe to the theory that the backup quarterback is the second most important person on the field. And the Eagles had other needs to fill to the fact that they'll get them in the playoffs in the first place before they can use Jalen Hurts. And quarterback, despite Carson Wentz always being injured, isn't one of them. Wide receiver, DB. They, they could have used – second round just seems early for, for a backup QB. So what I might Jacob, I know you believe that uh, Saquon Barkley is the most important player on the field at all times. Second is the cheerleaders, but what do you think about Jalen Hurts being drafted here? Saquon Barkley is the most important player on the field. And as Ori said, some people say too early or the wrong team for Jalen Hurts. Wrong team, yes. Too early, no. I think he was expected to go around the second round, but I, do not, I did not expect that the Eagles would be the team to draft him. Yes, Wentz does have his injury problems as well, and was injured the past couple of years. But to me, they have bigger team needs than quarterback. Uh, thanks for that. We're going to be moving on to Andrew Thomas. Giants fans, what do you think? Disappointed again? Or just just happy to get some protection for uh, Saquon and Daniel? So I've definitely warmed up to this pick. At first, not the hugest fan. But listen, he's the most pro-ready out of the draft from what I've seen on tape. And also, he fills a dire need for the Giants, which is blindside tackling for Daniel Jones, who has been a bit loose with the ball and who's needed a good blindside because Nate Soldier has turned into a human embodiment of a turnstile. So, so this will help Nate Soldier get to the right side. Maybe he can rework his career there. And Andrew Thomas, as long as it's an Eric Flowers, I think this is a really good pick. Listen, some people were saying Giants need to trade down. I disagree. If you have a player you love, and you really want to take him, no need to trade down because you never know if he's going to be there. So take the, per- take the person number one on your board will help hopefully solidify your line for years to come with your franchise QB. Other uh, Giants fan in the house, Jacob Kazan, what do you think? Yeah, huge Giants fan. And I, I do love this pick. 
you can't get all hyped about it, like when they drafted Saquon Barkley or Daniel Jones. But I really believe that Andrew Thomas is going to help make our offense much better because last year, like our offensive line was one of the worst in the league and we struggled to run in the ball. And Daniel Jones had very, very little blindside protection. And I think Andrew Thomas will definitely help out with that big time. Jets fan. Uh, so I think, I think if you were picking in that position that Saquon Barkley did need more protection, so did Daniel Jones. We have two really good young players on the offense, so that's the right pick. I think it would have been smarter to trade down, especially considering they probably could have gotten a lot for that pick. And I think Andrew Thomas may have been the best offensive lineman, but look in the top 13. There was four offensive linemen picked, also Mekhi Becton by the Jets, Jedrick Wills by the Cleveland, and Tristan Wurst by Tampa Bay. So what I'm just saying is that I think they could – I don't think there's that it big a difference. It was probably not the best value pick at that. Yeah, because I don't think there's a big difference between Andrew Thomas and the other pick. But the thing I see is the Giants clearly saw different than you. So why go for those guys when they, they, they like Andrew Thomas? Like, like I know Mel Kuyper didn't think it was the great pick, but Mel Kuyper isn't in one of these teams. Like I respect his and all of his fans' opinions, but not and, one of these teams. And by that note, what I'd say is there, we really don't know how it's going to turn out. Right? It all depends how they work on the team, how much they're coached, how well they're coached. Right, so I could absolutely be wrong. I absolutely admit that. Maybe Andrew Thomas is by far the best lineman. But based on what I've seen, I don't think it was the best value pick. I think that's fair. Uh, let's move on to Jalen Rieger. Um, super explosive out of TCU. Loved what we saw from this kid. Jacob, what do you think? So this pick by the Eagles at 21, I think it's, they definitely filled the need. But I don't think he was the best receiver on the board. I think Justin Jefferson is a much better, more talented, more explosive receiver. and would have helped there their fast-paced offense much more. But I think Rieger will fit well in that offense with Carson Wentz. Yeah, Ellis, go ahead. Um, I know your brother is a big Eagles fan. Uh, what do you think about it here? Yeah, I kind of exactly agree with Jacob with that. Jalen Rieger is a great player, but, well, same with Jeremy. I don't think it's the best value, but even more than that, I just think Justin Jefferson is clearly the better player. Jalen Rieger has in college had some cashing the football problems, and he really does remind me a little bit of a Nelson Aguilar part two a 2.0 where he's got that explosiveness and can get open, but it won't matter if he can't catch the football. And I just don't – I just think Justin Jefferson will have a better career, and he was on the board, so I have no idea why. And I think most people would agree with me, so I don't know why they picked Jalen Rieger. Um, what I try to do, and I know I said this – mentioned this a little bit in the last pick too, I try not to second-guess what receiver players get just because – or teams get, right? Because everyone has their own board. I know like with the 49ers, Brandon Ayuk, who they got, I think is like the sixth or seventh receiver – was the number one receiver on their board. So I think he is an explosive receiver. This is a really deep receiver draft. Some of these receivers will hit, some won't. This clearly addresses a need. So I'd say if this was the highest person on their board, it's a good pick. But I don't think we know enough yet to say definitively this was you should have picked Justin Jefferson. We'll see in a few years. Yeah, Jeremy, I think you bring up a good point there that you can't really evaluate only based on what we've seen. We as the fans probably don't get all the information that the teams have gotten. And I think they're privy to a lot more information that really helps them uh, finalize that kind of decision. But let's move on to another receiver, Henry Ruggs to third. Funny draft moments, too, in here. But um, what do you guys think of him as a caliber in terms of talent? I, I know people weren't high that the Raiders took him over Judy or Lamb. I like him. Here's why. First off, let's mention the drip. The old Spikes robe was, was absolutely fire. I mean, just boss smooth walking. To his house with a robe on. Amazing. Old Spice. 
quality deodorant, but um, they don't sponsor us. That's just a free promo. But um, but with Henry Ruggs, why I like this pick over Judy and C. Lamb is that it's the same thing with Tyree Kill. Defenses know when Lamb and, and Judy are coming on the field, they're going out to catch a pass. With Henry Ruggs, defenses are minor scrambling because guess what? He can run – he can run out for a pass and burn you over the top. He can go and end around. He could just run the ball straight. He can do a screen. There's so much you can do with him in such a creative offense. And John Gruden, I like as a coach. So he'll definitely get ways to use him. Kind of the same effect as Debo Samuel, where he's not even the best receiver, but he torched the Chiefs in the Super Bowl because the Chiefs just didn't know what he was doing. They couldn't predict it. Eventually, they figured it out. But that first half, he torched him. I don't think Debo Samuel has necessarily the best talent, but there's just so much you can do that that it, it just scares defenses. And I think Henry Ruggs is exactly that. So good pick for the Raiders. So you think that versatility is kind of like a um, – it kind of gives a Swiss Army knife quality to him. It it's kind it's of run coming, back, end rounds, whatever you can do with him. Yeah, it's, and it's also what's becoming popular in the NFL. Jeremy, what do you think about this one? I think I kind of agree and disagree to an extent. As I said, I think we really don't know yet. Jay Gr- John Gruden is known for loving his speed, and the, him at a 40-yard dash of 4.27 clearly is that. The one thing we'll say is there's people like Tyreek Hill, but we're not focusing on is recently in the first round, like John Ross, right? The guy who broke the NFL record for the 40-yard dash at the combine and then ended up really being a non-factor in his career up to this point. So I think Jake, that's also think? a possibility. But I guess I just say this fits for John Gruden, and I think it could work. Jacob, what do you think about this one? I think it's a good pick. Good value. Eh. C.D. Lamb, Jerry Judy were both available. But clearly the Raiders saw something in Ruggs. And as, as Ellis said, he's a very similar player to Tariq Hill. And I think as more and more teams pick these fast utility players that can do screens, burn you deep, jet sweeps, like option plays with the quarterback, I think it's becoming more and more popular throughout the league. And I think this is what our league, the league may look like in the, in the future. I think he's going to thrive with Derek Carr if Derek Carr can get the ball off. Yeah, and speaking about the future of our league, let's talk about Jordan Love. Packers kind of took a gamble here, kind of taking the future out of Aaron Rodgers' hands, some might say, but I don't know. Always happy to see some turmoil in a division rival for the Lions, but even for a division rival that's been so solid like the Packers. Jacob, what do you think about this one? I see you're pretty antsy. Yeah, so this pick – a little confusing to me. I understand that the Packers did pick Aaron Rodgers when Favre was 36 and Rodgers is now 35. But Rodgers has showed very minimal signs of slowing down. And I don't think this pick was necessary. Like, it's their first pick of the draft. They have so many more issues that they need to address, like receiver and running back. And they just did not help Aaron Rodgers. And they, they did not get better with this draft pick in the next three years. Dallas, what do you, what do you have to say about well, this? First, one? I want to start off with uh, the Packers' weakness is not running back because they have Aaron Jones. But um, regardless, so I had the opposite effect of the Giants, so I like this pick a lot, and I've kind of cooled down the pick. And, and the reason is that I like the way that Jordan Love I, – I like looking to the future thing for the first-round pick as long as they drafted what they needed for the other picks, which they didn't. So that's why I think the Packers had a bad draft, but we'll talk about that more later. But – Jordan Love, I think, is a his biggest problem is he's raw and throws picks, and Aaron Rodgers will be perfect for curing that. So I think that could be a really good QB in the future. That said, while I'm cooling down on this pick is you can't always look to the future. And if this is going to make Aaron Rodgers mad, which from all reports it sounds like it did, and he, they didn't have Aaron Rodgers' consent on this pick, 
then I see this as a bad pick because it means Aaron Rodgers is leaving in a year or two and he's not happy with the team and they're not going to be able to compete now in the future. So I like this pick, but if, if it made Aaron Rodgers mad, then I have to dislike it. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, you have to keep Mr. Discount Double-Check happy, especially in the north there. It's Wisconsin, not a huge market. Green Bay super loyal, but again, not not exactly a great place to live. Sorry, all you Wisconsinites out there. Jeremy, what do you think about this one? So I think in this case, I I think, first of all, I will say, I don't think we'll know if this was a good pick for the next three years, right? Because I think if you really think Jordan Love is your guy, this generational talent, you pick him. You always pick him, right? Because of how important the quarterback is in football. So I think then that's correct. How I think likely it won't be correct for two reasons. The first reason is, one, it makes Aaron, they're kind of in win-now mode. They're in a Super Bowl window. Aaron Rodgers needed help. They kind of skated to 13 wins last season. And this makes it mad. It makes you lose Aaron Rodgers, who is a generational talent in an age where quarterbacks are playing to 40. The other reason is that at this point in the NFL, there's so many good quarterbacks, and we're getting so many good quarterbacks from college that are almost all working. I feel like you could have gotten the same thing as Jordan Love, unless he's a generational talent, of course, in the next few years. Yeah, not a lot of love for uh, Jordan Love here, but we're going to be moving on. Jacob. So with this pick of Jordan Love, what do you guys think Aaron Rodgers is going to do? You think he's going to stay? You think he's going to request a trade? What do you think is going to happen? I hope he requests a trade because I don't want to keep facing him in the last week and we lose every time. So no, kind of personal. I think he'll still stay for a little bit. Um, What I am curious about is – well, what, what I think it's important to note, rather, is that I don't think the Packers were so close to Super Bowl, and I don't think the Packers thought they were so close to Super Bowl. Last year, none of their defensive starters got injured, and they they had a really favorable schedule if you look at it. Like, they played they played the Chiefs with Matt Moore. They played they played a really favorable schedule. So I, I think that's how the Packers tended to look at this. But back to your question, I think Rodgers will stay for another two years. I kind of agree. I think he'll stay through his contract and then will leave. Simply because Green Bay, while a very good place for football, is not a huge town and a huge space. So he probably feels he's done so much for the city, and now they do this to him. So I actually think they would sign him longer than that, because I think he'll still be good at that point. But I don't think he'll be willing to. Okay, now we're going to be moving on to a subject that Ellis is quite unfamiliar with, winners. Uh, Let's talk about two winners from each (laughs) team uh, from this draft. Uh, I want to hear your opinions. Ellis, because I roasted you, you can go first. I feel quite bad. So go ahead. Yeah, quite mean. I've wanted a few things in my life, man. But so um, I, I'd like a correction. No, he has not. You know what? This hurts deep, but I'm going to move on to the winners of the draft, which was certainly not me. Uh, but it was my team, which really You're embracing player. your role. Good job. Wow, this is really hostile. Can I just introduce my winners, please? Which are the Browns and the Bengals? First, I will introduce... The Browns, before someone quickly attacks me again, why are the Browns winners? Well, first off, they're offseason winners in general. But their offense, on paper, of course, is insane. Also, the one problem was their line. Who do they get? Jedrick Wills. Maybe the best offensive lineman in the draft. Yeah, so the Browns, that was their biggest need, and that's why they would be winners no matter what. But they also landed a really good safety, Grant Delpit, who's been playing in the spotlight. And the Browns are obviously going to have a lot of spotlight because they are the Browns. And But L, if you're from LSU, you're used to that. And I think it's a really underrated quality that prospects can have is playing on the big stage. On top of that, they picked a 
high-end defensive tackle to even solidify their already amazing defensive line. And, you know, he has high bust value but high potential, so why not since your defensive line is already amazing? And the end of the draft, they picked some – they picked some other value picks like Donovan Peoples-Jones and Harrison Bryant. But really what seals this draft is is the safety, is the first round pick and the second round pick, the safety and offensive lineman. No more excuses for the Browns and Baker Mayfield. If they're going to do it, it's going to be this year. I would say they look to be a really top contender, but I think everyone here knows the Browns by now. And now on to more of my interesting segment with the Bengals. I think they're really big winners here. But I'm not going to talk about Joe Burrow because obviously that's obviously a big winner, but not everyone knows that. What I want to talk about is T. Higgins and their day two and three picks. T. Higgins, first off, loves Cincinnati. He's a Cincinnati Bengals fan. That is very rare to come by. You can ask anyone who's a Cincinnati Bengals fan except for people who live in Cincinnati. And even then, are they really Cincinnati Bengals fans? But T. Higgins is. He loves A.J. Green, and people compare him to A.J. Green, and I totally see it. Listen, this Bengals offense is kind of subtly stacked. The receivers, Ross, Higgins, Green, Boyd, their running back, Mixon, now Burrow. Their offensive line, not great, but those are some heavy-duty weapons they have got on their team. On top of that, their defense, which they solidified in the offseason, now they have linebackers they drafted. They drafted three linebackers, Akeem Davis-Gythers and Logan Wilson. Bailey was the linebacker. Uh, so those three linebackers – were all, I think, plug-and-play starters. We obviously see no knows for sure, but they addressed the core need in their linebacking core. The one thing they didn't address was offensive linemen, which they do need, but they've got a lot of firepower and I think overall great draft. Yeah, I, think- I, think I, I kind of agree with that. I think it's kind of hard to turn a, a culture of losing around, especially with these two teams. But if they can do it, it's definitely going to happen after this draft. Jeremy, okay, I think, wait, I would like, real I'd... quick, real quick, sorry. I'd like to rebut Ori's thing on the Bengals' culture of losing. They actually, if you look at them, they have a culture of losing in the playoffs. But they've missed the play. Yes, they missed the playoffs the last four years. But that was following a six-year consecutive streak of making the playoffs with Andy Dalton. I don't necessarily think they have a culture of losing. No. I think the Bengals get crapped on a lot by, um, by well, their uh, – by the I media. guess I'd actually kind of say a little bit different – they made the playoffs, but they were never seriously in a spot to contend. For I disagree. Season. They always lost the playoffs, but the history, they were three of those six years, they were favorites to win their first round game. Yeah, they suck in the playoffs. That's why they say they have a history of losing in the playoffs, but they were not bad teams in the early, from 2010 to 16. Nevertheless, for me, my problem with the Bengals more than the losing culture because I think they have a good draft, but I'm afraid it'll be all be for not because of how strong their division is. That's true. Because right? I feel like the thing about draft picks right, is you need one of them to get confidence. If they're immediately destroyed in their first season, it makes it much harder for them to be good in the future and have the belief to play. If you look at it, look who's in their division, right? The Ravens are superstars. I don't think we need to say more about that. Pittsburgh Steelers are they're just an amazingly run organization. And the Browns, you never know with the Browns, but at least on paper, they might be a top five team. Okay, but hot take. I think the, I think the Bengals have a good chance of making – of not the wild card, but being the second team in that division over everyone but the Ravens. I'm not – I think they do in a few years. I don't think they do this year. Okay. I still think they're a fourth-place team. Jeremy, you have a lot to say. Do you want to move on to your winners from this draft? Uh, yeah, I would absolutely like to. So, for my first winner, I feel this one is kind of obvious, but it definitely needs to be said, is the Miami Dolphins. And as much as it pains me to say this as a Jets fan, I do think they are likely going to be the next dominance in our division. Just because they started the draft, obviously, with Tua. In my opinion, Tua is probably the best quarterback in the draft. 
assuming his injury is okay, he's a generational talent. But Jeremy, the Jets have Sam Darnold. I understand that. However, I love Sam Darnold with my full heart, but I don't know if he's too. Anyway, so look what, it's not even just that. So the thing about the Dolphins, first of all, they had three first-round picks and five in the top two rounds, which is insane. So they also got not only two, but Austin Jackson, a tackle to protect him right off the bat. With pick 30, they got a really good quarterback, whose last name I'm not going to try to pronounce, but who can help them on the back front and help replace Xavier Howard and Minka Fitzpatrick. Then in the second round, they got another guard and a defensive tackle, and Overall, their draft was just so top-heavy that they really were able to load up their offense and get a lot of people that are starting day one. With that said, my other winners, as painful as it is for me to say this, just because it's the rich getting richer, you know, it's capitalism. I'm joking. But for real, the winners are definitely the Ravens. Because the Ravens, despite being so strong and having very few holes, or I'm not even going to say holes, I'm going to say like, if this was a rock wall, like little niches you stick your hand in, they still managed to get a good draft. They got linebacker Patrick Queen, who will be a great addition to their defense in the one area that maybe is not completely dominant. They got another running back, J.K. Dobbins, that helps add youth and infuse strength to their backfield behind Mark Ingram. They got some defensive tackles, receivers, and overall just a really strong draft. I think they were scary this year. I can't imagine what they'll be like next year. Oh, yeah. For the Ravens, I completely agree. The rich get richer. They completely improved their whole, like, the few small holes they had. Patrick Queen will fit that scheme perfectly, and J.K. Dobbins will as well. Now, I do have to disagree with the Dolphins as winners here. I think they were slight winners, but I think Jeremy extremely overhyped them. What I see is two, a great pick, injury prone. Austin Jackson, project, project offensive lineman. The rest of the draft was okay, but... I think you're ruling. Of course, the Jets are never going to rule the division. You can't count out Belichick. The Dolphins a bit too early. We're ruling out the Bills here. I think Josh Allen is a good QB. Now they got Stefan Diggs. They have a really underrated defense. I think top five every. They've had top five defense every year. Their offense also is underrated. Definitely not top five, but underrated. I think you might be right about ruling the division. However, I will say, just if you look at the amount of players they got that could be starting day one and starters in this league, I think six. It maybe it's not even so much because they're your great drafters, but rather just because they had so many picks. I don't see how they could not be considered a winner. I, no, no, I, I actually completely agree with you. They're definitely winners. I'm just arguing the extent of their winner-ing, I guess. That's not a word, but I'm making a word. But, yeah, their extent of their winning is um, – I'm not sure it's as much as, you, as much as you say, but they definitely come out as winners. If you're getting a possible franchise QB such as Tua – you're, you're going to be coming off as a winner. But I just think Austin Jackson wasn't that great of a pick, and neither was the rest of their draft. And I, I think you just overhyped them when you said the Bills are going to uh, – I'm sorry, when you said the Dolphins are going to rule the division. We're going to be moving on to Jacob, uh, who I think is going to put two words never seen together before. I think it's Giants and winners. This is interesting. But, Jacob, what do you have for us here? Four yeah. Super Bowls. <laughs> yeah, four Super Bowls. But, yes, okay. first, first I'm going to – I'm not going to do the Giants first. I'm going to do the Cowboys it hurts me to say this. The Cowboys were one of the winners of this draft. They improved their team so much. They got, in my opinion, the best, uh, the best or second best wide receiver, CeeDee Lamb, at pick 17. They got Stephon Diggs' brother, Trayvon Diggs, and a very, very good uh, defensive tackle, Neville Gallimore. I think they're both valued very high. I think they're, they added a lot of young talent to this team. 
and their offenses are so star powered. My- Michael Gallup, Amari Cooper, Zeke, Dak Prescott, and now adding CeeDee Lamb to an already amazing offense with the amazing offensive line. It's just going to be ridiculously hard to stop in the NFC East. As my other winner, it's been a little while since they've they've been known as winners, a couple years, but uh, my my New York Giants. Take a shot every time Jacob says, Jacob says uh, as a New York Giants fan. <laughs> so, yeah, as Ori said, it's been a little while since the Giants have been known as winners. But I think in this draft, they definitely are one of the teams that did win the draft. And it's their, their second pick, in my opinion, one of the most valuable draft picks of the draft, Xavier McKinney, safety out of Alabama. I think he's the best safety in the league. And I think now we have, th- we have three pretty good young safeties that can all rotate in and out. And McKinney has that ability to guard those really good tight ends or those bigger receivers who play in the slot. And I think that's something the Giants have been lacking the last couple of years. And uh, I think the Giants are going to be a force to be reckoned with this year. Yeah, I agree. Giants come out as winners here. David McKinney certainly a good value pick. A flashback to Landon Collins two years ago. Similar Alabama safety that was – fell a little bit, and then was picked by the Giants. So we have a good track record of that. Also, we already discussed Andrew Thomas. And they also picked more offensive line pieces. Listen, the Giants' biggest problem, though, is rushing QB. And they still haven't addressed that, but you can address everything. And the Giants admittedly do have a good amount of holes to fill. But I think they did, Dave Gettleman has done a really good job of filling a lot of those holes. And the one thing I have to add to that is – David Gettleman actually had, despite his bad record in the offseason, has actually had a good record in drafting. So I definitely trust him in drafting, unlike Jerry Reese, who kind of was the opposite. With, with this draft, Dave Gettleman told many people that his main goal was to fix the, the huge offensive line problem the Giants have had for the, the past few years. And he definitely took a big step in fulfilling that hole. And that left side is now really good with Will Hernandez and yeah, Will Andrew, Andrew Thomas. Thomas. Both so- well, hopefully Andrew Thomas. Both should be solid. I'd actually like to transition to saying something about the Cowboys for a second. So I think the big thing now that this draft says, though, is that Dak has to perform this year. Because at least personally, I think the Cowboys outside of Dak Prescott might have a top five offense in the league. Right? Because look at who they have. They have Amari Cooper and C.D. Lamb, Michael Gallup. They have a great receiving core. Their line, I know they lost a few people this year, but they still have a great line. Maybe one of the last few years with their great line. They have maybe the best running back or one, definitely a top five running back in Ezekiel Elliott. Right? So really, they're outside of Dak Prescott. Their offense, I don't know if there's an offense better than theirs in the league. So Dak Prescott really has to perform this year if he is truly there. And just another thing to add on to the uh, Cowboys draft is it's always good because the Eagles were really high on CeeDee Lamb. So it's always good to weaken your division rivals. And it's always good to, yeah, as I said, the Eagles, you want him, and it's good to weaken your, uh, honest, weaken your division rivals. And, and a bit of payback for Dallas Goddard two years ago. And honestly, when you're given a chance to pick a talent like CeeDee Lamb, he's very hard to pass off on. Speaking of the Cowboys, let's throw it back a bit. Ellis, why can't Tony Romo use his phone? Why? Because he can't find a receiver. So let's talk about losers now because, uh, I mean, we've been talking about the Giants so much <laughs> and the Bengals and the Browns. Just It's kind of getting depressing, but we're going to keep on talking about losers. Ellis, you want to start us off with some losers? Yes. Uh, so my loser of the draft. I just want to say it's the- fitting that Ellis is starting the loser section. Wow. So you're just piling on. Yeah. But my own. My, you know what? I've had enough of this. I revolt. What is this? Well, where have I gotten? Also, also started the winner's section. Yeah, I, I know. started the winner's <laughs> section. Anyway, 
I don't know where this podcast has gone to. But anyway, so my loser is, which I've been trying to say for a while without being crapped on, is the Patriots. And here's why. And the Patriots always has a history of drafting down. But a lot of other picks this year, I see one really good pick. And Ori will be happy because he's a Michigan player, and that's Josh Uche. Really good pick, a lot of upside. But let's talk about the rest of their picks, in which they're, in my opinion, no doubt losers. Massive reach in Kyle Duggar, who's a speedster, but also Division Two and has a lot of flaws with him. The rest of their, their day three picks were okay. Good linebacker, good defensive end, good tight end, but they didn't really, there was nothing inspiring them. No, like Bill, I mean, you do have to trust Bill Belichick when it comes to these things, but if you actually look at him, he's not the best drafter. He's had some gold picks in like late rounds that are good, but overall, he's not the best drafter. And they didn't really feel like they, nothing, nothing inspiring. And on top of that, they picked a kicker who is might be a white supremacist. Or we, we don't know. Why would you pick a uh, – he has tattoos on his body that signal white supremacist signs, which is just a really bad look for an organization, especially when you're picking a kicker in the fifth round. It has to be someone probably with good character and a really good kicker. And he wasn't particularly an amazing kicker. And he has white supremacist tattoos. So I think that automatically makes him loser without any other draft. But the rest of the draft, besides Josh Uche, wasn't very inspiring in general. I kind of agree. And I think the one thing I'll say, too, is that Bill Belichick, I think, in my opinion, is the best coach of all time. I wouldn't take anything away from him. But he's not historically been the best drafter. Really the one big, like, receiver receiving threat he drafted that's really been fantastic is Rob Gronkowski. In all and Julian there. Edelman. He gets a lot of credit and, for drafting Julian and, Edelman, which in fairness, he was a quarterback and he did. But the rest of his like, drafting wasn't amazing. And I mean, Rob, Dallas, let, let's be honest. Um, the New England Patriots are always known for some character issues. The first week of uh, training camp, they, they pass by reading the Miranda rights. I mean, it's not like it's not really a great, not, not a stellar organization in terms of spotless, clean records. But yeah. um, they definitely win. That's getting the job done. Yeah. Jeremy, you got a loser for us, except I guess for uh, picture the one, thing, the one thing I will also just want to add to the Patriots before I say mine is that it's kind of inexcusable to me to not get a receiver in this draft, right? Like, when there's the number one receiver is like a – I believe it's a 33-year-old Julian Edelman is your number one receiver. How do you not even pick a receiver with that second pick? With that said, my loser is definitely the Bears – not even because there was any one pick. Well, I guess that I was like, oh my God, this is so terrible. But it just, they just didn't really, I think, add that much. Like their second round pick is Cole Kmet, which while a great tight end, tight end just was very much not a need for them. They got a quarterback, Jalen Johnson, who's great if he can stay on the field. And it just, overall, their draft, it wasn't like any exciting pick. You're like, oh, that was so exciting, but really bad. It just was overall not very good. So, yeah, to add on to the Bears, I actually think Cole Komet's a good tight end. But what the hell is Ryan Pace doing? If he was going to draft Cole Komet, why would he sign Jimmy Graham and all these tight ends? His infatuation for tight ends is disturbing and hasn't been seen since the <laughs> days of Mike Ditka in the Bears organization, who was a tight end and a great coach. But it really is like I truly don't understand what Ryan Pace is doing, bringing in Nick Foles for a – QB competition with that bloated contract then drafting Cole Komet with their pick. I, yeah. I, if you're again, if you're going to draft Cole Komet, why sign Jimmy Graham? They sign Jimmy, they live with the bet they make. We have to draft another player of need. Yeah. It just doesn't make it. I kind of agree. And kind of add on to Nick Foles and Mitchell, Mitchell Trubisky is 
In my opinion, Nick Foles, he had some great moments. I don't necessarily know he's a franchise quarterback, but why are you keeping both? Yeah, I, think, definitely. I think that's a fair point. Now it is time to introduce a new segment called Closing Rant. Will this be a reoccurring segment? No. Will we bring back this segment? Maybe. Do you want to hear me rant? Well, you have come this far, so why not? Anyway, our rant today is about the Packers and Twitter. And let's start with the Packers. We've already discussed Jordan Love, and obviously all of us are not that big fans of the pick, but that's not what made this draft disastrous. I'm not a huge fan of drafting for need. I'm actually really big into picking the best talent available, but at some point, you have to draft for need. And if the Packers were going to pick Jordan Love for the future in the first round, you got to draft for need in the following rounds. And their second round pick was not that. Neither was there any other of their picks. With their second round pick being A.J. Dillon when they already have two great running backs and the rest of their picks playing no wide receivers on a stack wide receiver class when that's their biggest need for Aaron Rodgers. And they need to shore up the defense because last year four starters only from their defense got injured, which is very little in football. So they're not going to have that season again with that type of luck. They need to shore up their defense and their receivers and they just didn't do that at all. A.J. Dillon, no no shame on him. It was a good pick. He's a good running back. But why are you taking a running back when you have two good running backs and pretty much no good receivers? It made no sense, and that's why Jordan Love, despite not being the best pick in my opinion, would have actually, the Packers draft would have come out looking more favorable if they picked Jordan Love in the first round and a bunch of other receivers in positions of need in the following two through seven rounds. Like, honestly, uh, Packers GM Brian Gutenkunst, if that's how you pronounce the name, or Matt Lefleur, how do you expect Aaron Rodgers to stay when his top targets are Jake Kumro and this tight end you picked in the third round, Josiah Degaru from Cincinnati. Like, the, it, he's not going to be happy with this situation, obviously. Just a disaster draft from the Packers. Still haven't clearly recovered from that from that whooping they got from the 49ers. And the next thing I want to run about is Twitter. Because time and time again, draft prospects clearly just don't seem to understand that what you put online stays online. For example, let's take Broncos receiver Jerry Judy, who, when he was drafted, great player, but tweets resurfaced of him talking lewd about Sesame Street. There was some pretty vulgar language about uh, some sexual intercourse involving um, Big Bird and some other questionable Sesame Street characters. I mean, like, seriously, Jerry Judy, what is that like? But props to CeeDee Lamb, my man, because when his girlfriend took his phone, CeeDee Lamb with such the quick reaction, said, I'm not going to go into Jerry Judy trap. I'm not having something tweeted or my cat hacked. Took the phone without even looking straight from his girlfriend's hand, put it to his phone, said, that's not happening. My Twitter's staying clean. So congrats to you, CD Lamb. Jerry Judy, what was that? What was, what, what's with... You ruined Sesame Street for a bunch of people. And now to moving on to our wacky sport of the week. And our wacky sport of the week this week is Zorball. What is this, you may ask? Okay, I'll tell you. It's zorbed or zorbing, according to this definition, is the activity of rolling down a hill inside a giant inflatable ball. It's actually very popular in New Zealand, where also the sport has originated. Personally, I think Jeremy would be amazing at this sport. But if we had a if we had a race between me, Ori, Jeremy, and Jacob, I think Jeremy's taking the W, followed by Jacob. And then me and last Ori. I don't know. That's just a hunch. We definitely haven't tried this sport before down our, our local hill. But yeah, so you're in an inflatable ball. You get pushed down a hill. And whoever crosses the finish line first 
wins. Apparently, there is strategy to this. Don't ask me how, because I'm not going to be able to tell you. But I guess it's like like a hamster ball, so you got to like move your body a little bit. I don't know, but that's our wax sport of the week. Pretty cool. Check it out. There's some cool videos of it in New Zealand. Kind of fun just rolling down the hill. Probably my nice and serene in that ball. Might hurt a bit, but hey, you do what you do to win. And with that concludes our podcast. Now we know we had some audio issue this podcast. We'll be back stronger than ever with fixed microphones. On top of that, we are sorry for you hearing Jeremy's dog in the background, Percy. He seemed to have contracted rabies and cannot stop barking. So after this podcast, we're going to um, give him the old yeller treatment. So give your condolences. Anyway, we hope you enjoyed listening. We'll be back next episode with an all-time soccer draft concluding our all-time series. So make sure not to miss that. On top of that, follow our Instagram and YouTube. Our Instagram's wat.podcast, that's W-O-T dot P-O-D-C-A-S-T. Twitter, uh, sorry, and our Twitter. Twitter is Podcast one And on top of that, very soon after this is published, two days after, we will also have our podcast on YouTube starting this episode. I know, extremely excited. We're really going places so check that out. Link will be in description of the podcast. Go listen wherever you listen. Spotify, Apple, wherever you want to. All good, Buzzsprout. And stay safe. Stay healthy. Enjoy the podcast. Have a nice week. Goodbye.